Mike's Galact. Ah, yeah. The mics are now live, right, Creighton? Yes, they sure are. The mics are live. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, let me encourage you to come visit us one Sunday. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local, but just looking for a church to maybe uh, check check out online, you can visit us, our live stream. Uh, Calvary316.live is our YouTube channel. You can also uh, check us out. Our live stream also occurs on Facebook.com slash Calvary316. So Facebook, as well as YouTube, uh, check out the church. You can learn all about the church if you're interested by visiting Calvary316.com. With all that being said, I am a husband of one. I miss Jessica Adams, father of three, Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel. And, uh, and you, as mentioned, are listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. We live stream the recording. We podcast every episode. If you're watching, check out the, pods, uh, the podcast. If you're listening, check out the live stream. Our podcast is available on iTunes, uh, Google, Spotify, really uh, any place that you access podcasting. If you're new to the Outlaw Radio Show, uh, really three pillars to what makes the show uh, possible. First, uh, the show is unscripted. Uh, What that means is I have no idea what we're talking about today. Uh, Our producer, Creighton, uh, it is his job to introduce a topic. It then becomes my job, along with a group of friends, to turn that into a Bible study conversation. Um, The show is also um, designed to be interactive. Um, If you are watching the live stream, again, uh, you can watch on YouTube. Uh, The link is outlawradio.live. You can also watch the live stream via uh, the Outlaw Radio Facebook page, uh, the, the Radio Outlaw, um, again on Facebook. Um, on both of those uh, video uh, feeds, there is a comment section below. You can interact in real time uh, by entering comments, questions. You can submit feedback. You can just let us know that you're there and watching. Uh, we love the interactive uh, ability uh, that these platforms provide. And so, Again, show's unscripted, it's interactive, and as mentioned, it's a conversation amongst a group of misfits transformed by God's grace. Uh, with that being said, let me introduce the man that really needs no introduction, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Dick Dastardly, also known by his God-given name, Creighton Vaughn. Creighton, welcome. Hello. I was doing better before you ruined my countdown, but I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> so right before, right before we, uh, we, we start... Uh, the countdown, Creighton always goes through like this protocol uh, of things to remind us about, one of which is the mics will go live at five seconds, so be quiet. Um, so I wanted to blow that up because he gets really nervous. Every time. Every single time, which you really shouldn't. We've been doing this for a while now. Why do you get so nervous, Creighton? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a genetic condition. I think I just am generally anxious because I get like this. Are your mom uh, and dad nervous people? My mother is, yeah. Your you mother, met my mother. Your mother is very much a nervous person? Yes. And so you get it from your mom? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you will notice if you were watching that I am uh, boldly going where I have not gone before this year, and that is uh, showing my head. Uh, without a cap. Uh, I, when I dealt with everything I dealt with this year, I lost most of my hair. Um, it stopped falling out about three weeks ago. Praise Jesus. And, uh, and have it started growing back. So I went and got a haircut yesterday. I asked my barber, I was like, Sam, can you balance it out? I look like a newborn. 
with bangs. It's kind of where I was at. A, a, a really terrible looking chemo patient. Um, mm-hmm. Although most chemo patients aren't known for their good looks. Not a high bar. Not a high bar for sure. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm being bold and I don't look like Casper the Friendly Ghost. I've got some color to me. Uh, so that's wonderful. Uh, in addition to Creighton, I'm also joined by three dear brothers, uh, Kyle Park and Deal Daddy Derek and Spice Daddy. So no we're here. We haven't gotten to the point where you have a nickname, Kyle. Okay. Uh, there's no <laughs> nickname yet. Um, that can be that. That is something that can be worked on um, as we go. So it's kind of an organic thing that that takes place. We really went through a few different nicknames with uh, Spice Daddy over here before we before we landed on what we landed on. So uh, yeah. We did a Justin Honeycomb. Yeah, it didn't didn't feel yeah. right. It didn't feel right. But my my love is my love of spicy foods kind of won out. So Th- that and when you told the story of if you could ever build a house, you would uh, want instead of like a wine cellar, you would want an actual like walk in hot sauce cabinet. Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, I, I I shared that with a friend this week, and the question was, is like so like hot sauce once you open it, you know. Th- doesn't last forever. No, 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 it depends on what it's made of. So every time you, well, I, my answer was like, like fine wine. Once you, once you open it, you use it once and, and replace it. That depends on what it's made of. There's different hot sauces from all around the world made of different stuff. So some of them you got to refrigerate. Some of them you don't and they get better with age. Some of them don't. Climate controlled on one yeah, side, right. non-climate controlled on the other side. I do have to. I do have to point out again. If you're listening on the podcast, you're missing all of this. Um, so I would encourage you to check out the live stream. But if you are watching, uh, switch back over to the three amigos over here. Uh, Deal, Daddy Derek oh, has a straight yeah. up like this. Beats Daddy. I this mean, is... Beach Daddy. You got oh, the gold go-to. chain. This is my yeah, go-to. Yeah. Show the chain. You oh, got yeah. a gold chain. Your yeah, wife yeah. is extremely proud of you right now. Oh, she now. is. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You've got like you're like a a, a poor Tom Selleck. Well, he's gonna be leaving. He's gonna be leaving Maybe. us in the next couple of weeks to join the cast of uh, Jersey Shore. Jersey yes. Shore yeah. Yeah. or Hawaii Five O. Yeah, Savannah Shore. Yes. Savannah Just all Shore. dirty. I'm, I'm not gonna get dirtier for that. Oh, that's that's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Well, Kyle, we will we will start working on a nickname of some kind. Deal. And uh, Nick. Nick doesn't have a nickname, um, but that's okay. Well, he's also Snack. not here. He's also not here. That's that's true. All right, are all we that, gonna are we gonna remind everyone of of Kyle's relation to all of these people? Are you going to put yourself on the live stream when you talk? Um, yes, there I you am. go. Yeah. There, wait, back, go back. There, he, there he is. Yeah, that's this is me. <laughs> single, all the single ladies. All right, yeah, hi. Yes. So, w- what were you asking? Oh, I was just. Gosh dang it! Yeah, you gotta I go moved back away to from me. What They're you, better. What All right. is happening? I was just saying. We were talking about this is uh, ridiculous. About Derek's wife being proud of his deal. Oh, absolutely! Um, it's a big deal. That means that it's Kyle. That's sister, why we call him and deal I think Daddy. It's, yeah. I think it's really fun to mention the fact that it's Kyle, Nick, and Derek are all brothers-in-law. Yeah, I mean that's a very interesting thing. How many podcasts do you know? And you live. Three and you in live law. in the basement of, of the father. Of right, the I'm the black adopted brother. And ah. we were talking about this the other day. I don't know if we're you're adopted. Technically cousins. Yeah, Me we are. <laughs> we're second or third cousins or whatever. This Something is like that. some incestuous nonsense. No, we're all brothers in Christ. That's right. That's oh, this. good grief! <laughs> <laughs> this is. This shows a train wreck. No, you started it as a train wreck. It's a train wreck. All right, Creighton. Let's try to get back on the rails here. <laughs> You know what? We're off the rails before we get to it. 
Um, I do want to share with the audience um, an organization that I'm in the process of, of oh creating. Oh, my gosh, no. Gosh. Um, it's called the LAAA. This is a real thing. It's coming. It's called the Limp Arm Association of America. Um, hence, limp arms. Um, I, I kind of look like I'm doing the thriller dance. Yeah. That's that's absolutely the coolest thing I maybe have ever done in my life. The um, thriller dance. Yeah. Well, within the com- within the community, uh, we refer to ourselves as limpers. Um, but you guys, if you're not if you're not in the community, you cannot refer to us as limpers. You can only refer to us as limpas. We do not um, endorse no, this do joke not at all. I just want um, you at home to know. You can, we don't endorse this joke. You can say, "Hey, problem. Zach." Limpa what? Yeah. <clears throat> but the R. My limpa, my limpa. You cannot use the R. It it really offends everyone in the limp arm community. Did you hear about? We're going to be starting uh, HLACs, uh, historically limp arm colleges. No, stop. How many of you are <laughs> in? Be, we have a real checkered history in America. How many of you I mean, are in this exact, association? In, Zach, I'm so right now. It's an association, and you're digging a big. One. It is an association <laughs> of one. Um, <laughs> my wife asked why, and I was like, because my arms don't work, and it's hard to recruit people on Facebook. So I'm using the Outlaw Radio Show to spread the word. May. Happens to be uh, Limp Arm History Month. I have a dream um, that one day just we for can the record, use arms. Like Justin was trying to say earlier, for someone whose arms don't work, you're really good at digging holes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Always making fun of limp arm people, aren't you? Where do I get an uh, application? An application. <laughs> yes. Um, more He's information coming it. soon. We're working on it. I <laughs> uh, just want to say Outlaw Radio is brought to you by L-A-E-T. Limp Arm Entertainment Television. <laughs> hmm. Crane, you the- weren't ready for that one, were you? <laughs> no. You weren't ready for that one. You can switch over to you and, <laughs> and you can... Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, we, we are... I will say this. The, an association needs to be founded because I can't tell you how many restaurants, uh, you know, they make considerations. <laughs> they make considerations for handicapped people. They make uh, for, you know, people with wheelchair, wheelchair access, which is a good thing uh, for visually impaired people, you know, with menus that uh, there's even Braille, you know, for for those that, you know, can't see on the the blind. Um, So but but you know what? Restaurants don't have arm arm rests. Um, So we're going to be putting uh, L.A. ratings on restaurants based upon. Whether or not they provide armrests. Our church doesn't provide armrests. Our arm church rest. has one chair with armrests for me. <laughs> All right, so we do We're going to buy more chairs with armrests. Good. It's so important we, we have a five-star rating from the LAAA. We Especially have since some, I run uh, the organization. I'm trying to bring dot. us back on board, man. <laughs> we, have some, we have some comments. Uh, we, have first, com- we get comments. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the first is from um, the aforementioned uh, Derek's wife. Uh, oh. Um, and it says, the up, hair looks, it says the hair looks great. Uh, I'm not sure if she you. meant yours or Derek's. Probably no, she both. was referring to me. Probably yeah. both. Okay. Probably um, the both. The second and the better of the two comments is from longtime fan of the show, Jennifer. And it just says T-Rex arms. Yep. That's offensive. You see what happens? This is why the LAAA exists. It's wonderful. Some advocacy. People just love, you know, hey, I give that joke two thumbs up. 
You know what I also stink at? Playing patty cake, swimming, you know. Driving. My, hey, uh, this is the key. After the show, we're giving high fives all around. Oh. <laughs> hey, let's oh, thumb man. wrestle. I also stink at that. Um, my, the, <laughs> my, my niece, Hannah, and I know my sister listens to one out of every three or four shows, so th- this might land. But she has been praying since I was in the hospital. Um, she prays for me every night, which is just the most adorable, sweetest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she prays in her prayers. She goes, I pray that Uncle Zach you know, could start walking again. You know, would, and she goes through this list of things. But she always closes with, and that he would be able to swim. <laughs> She's very, very adamant about me getting back to swimming. Does she know that you don't know how to swim? I, I really wasn't a good swimmer to begin with. But, um, She's praying for you, though. So. She is praying. I did ask, so my sister does swim lessons, and I, and I called her, and I was like, so Natalie, uh, will you give a 38-year-old handicapped man a s- <laughs> s- swim lesson? And she was like, I don't feel qualified to do that. And I was like, well, you tell your daughter that that's why I can't swim. <laughs> Anyway, Creighton. Yeah, it's 8.15. Yeah, let's, let's dive into whatever it is we're talking about today. So, that's a good question. Um, so, as we've discussed, um, this is meant to be interactive. I often say that in the comments, you can ask questions, um, and that, that might become a topic of a future episode. It just so happens that someone who has asked questions before is actually with us in the studio. Okay. And so I'm going to have him ask the question. So this would be Kyle. This I would indeed Kyle. be Mr. <laughs> Kyle Parkin. So, Go on. So you're you're vac- you're vacating like the one responsibility that you have to come up with a topic. But he but he's taking my role now. So okay, so he's going to be part of the conversation. Yep. Well, you'll be part of the conversation. Too. Also, I just want to point out that in no part of our relationship have I ever had one duty. <laughs> like I don't have one duty here. I don't have one duty any time that we've ever been in partnership. I've always have multiple things. When to we do. talk about your duties, do we refer to them as number two? Yes. Oh my gosh. Your, Who does number two work for? Your duties. All right. Let's get back on. Go, Kyle. That was a potty a potty joke. All right. So yeah. <laughs> train train, the train rails, train yes. wreck, curveballs, keep them going. Okay, so, topic. We'll we'll transition. Topic. Um We'll start out with um, establishing an idea, and then I'm going to ask a question on it. So, um, so if, this isn't just a question. This is establishing an idea. Yeah, and I, I think we'll all, I think we'll all be in agree- agreement on it. Um, if you disagree, I'd love to hear about that. Because, okay, right, um, all right. So sin, sin in general, sin and um, uh, is generally identified or defined as being. Something that is missing the mark of God. So outside of God's will, not living up to his expectations, right? With that being said, can we say, or I say, that the opposite then of sin um, is to be within God's will. So actually doing, doing what God wants us to be doing. And if that's the case, I want to know your thoughts and dig into a little bit what that means in the life of a non-believer then. Because if they're a non-believer, and I assume that that is not within God's will, can a non-sinner, even in a good act, not sin? Or is everything they do sinful? Okay, so I want to push back on the question, um, not to get into semantics, but to try to gain a little 
a little bit more clarity mm-hmm. as to the essence of the question, which I think I understand, but, but for the sake of the audience, um, I, I would take a little bit of, of umbrage on your definition of the opposite of sin. So, I mean, I think you're absolutely correct in the sense that sin um, is missing the mark. But again, this plays into a much larger understanding of what sin is. And it, and it gets into, is sin, and is it, is it an, an action, or is it a state of being that creates an action? Exactly. Um, do, we, do we sin because we're a sinner, or are we a sinner because we sin? And, and, and I think the Bible absolutely teaches um, that, that, sin, that we're born into a sin nature. That we the, we we're fundamentally broken, and thus the way that we act is in line with an internal constitution. With that definition in mind, I would say that the opposite of being uh, the opposite of sin is righteousness. Um, which again, righteousness isn't something I necessarily do. Righteousness is a state of being that then determines what I do. Um, thus, I, I live consistent with this change, this new internal constitution that's been imparted to me by God. I can't earn a right standing before God. I can't earn my righteousness. It's something that must be given to me. Um, in the same way that I don't, I don't earn my sin nature either. It's something that I'm born into. I'm born into sin. Paul Paul writes about in Romans, and because in the same way that I'm born into sin. Um, through Christ Jesus, I'm 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 born into righteousness. That it's something that um, that is done for me. It's something that that I experience, um, and then that that begins to yield results in my life. That then manifest out of my life, good works or or righteous living. Um, so I sin because I'm a sinner. Um, I do the right thing because I'm righteous. Um, I think that. That definition goes a long way to adding clarity to your question, mm-hmm. um, and specifically how we derive um, at, at an appropriate answer. Um, so, the question: um, Can a sinner do something that's righteous? Yeah, and, and that thing- would be the different way of, of, of defining the question. Correct. Yeah. And one thing, yes, and one thing that specifically comes up is. Um, when I was having a conversation with someone, um, I was able to agree that there have been many times in my life that I, I have been blessed by God through actions of unbelievers. So with that being said, is that still, where's, what's going on there with, is that sin? Is that God using sin? Like what, what's going on? Okay. So we, we, so that's, that's a secondary question. Yeah, no, it's definitely a two-parter. That's a secondary question. The first part of the question, let's, let's address, can an unbeliever, who we would say is somebody that is still within sin, um, can they do something righteous? Can they act according to God's will? Can they act consistent with God's will? Um, I, I, would say, I would say no. And the reason that I would say no is because I think everything a sinner does is tainted by sin. I think a great example of this, a great illustration of this, um, is how um, inaccurate our understanding of like the full scope of sin is. Um, sin taints everything, and sin is so subtle. 
it's interesting that when you think about sin, like I would ask somebody, can you ever do something? Can you ever do a good thing without some type of, or, or can you ever do something good apart from some type of uh, selfish motivation? And, and I think if you really begin to extrapolate that out in, in practicality, I would say no. Um, for example, let's say um, I gave money to a charity. Um, well, did you let the charity know that it was you giving it? Well, of course I did. Well, why did you? Well, because I, I wanted to be, I wanted them to know that I was generous. Uh, that shouldn't lessen the gift. Well, no, it doesn't lessen the gift, but the motivation of your gift is you to receive the attention. So that's selfishness. That's being self-centered. And, and you got your reward according to what the Bible would say. Like there's no reward to that. That's not righteous. Um, that was selfishly motivated. Oh well, I gave my, I gave my mo, I gave my donation anonymously. Well, well, why, why did you give it anonymously? Well, I didn't want the attention. Well, why did you want the attention? Well, I didn't need the attention. Well, why didn't you need the attention? Well, I just wanted to do it so I, c I felt good about it. Well, wait a second. So you, you gave and you gave anonymously, not necessarily to be known for it. So that wasn't something you, you needed, but you wanted to feel, um, you, you wanted to feel good. Well, th that, that still means that your charitable gift, which is again, is a great thing was motivated for, for selfish reasons. Like, is it possible to really ever detach yourself from some sense of self? And, and I would again say no. Um, I think if we, if we really, you know, the Bible says that none are good, no, not one. And if we even evaluate the quote unquote good things that we do, um, how good are they? Like if we really get into the essence of them, are they, are they ever really devoid? Now, um, why do I give? Well, I, I don't, I don't give because I'm trying to get attention. I don't give to feel good about myself. Um, as as someone who's been made righteous before the, before the throne of God, made righteous in the eyes of God, my generosity is motivated by a completely different source. It's actually motivated as just the natural reaction to all that God has given me. Um, I'm not trying to earn anything from God. I don't deserve anything from God. It's purely reactionary to God's goodness. So God has given me so much it's in response to that gift that then I'm generous. Thus, it's a righteous act. It's devoid of self because self isn't the originator. It's originated somewhere else. What, what, why do I love others? Um, I don't love others because that, that wells up within me or I want love back from them. God has loved me, the Bible says, therefore I love other people. Love, like so much, flows downhill. And I would say within, within righteousness or goodness, it all flows downhill from God. Getting back to the question, can someone that's a sinner do something righteous? No. I can tackle, I can tackle that question even from a larger standpoint. If you are able to do anything in the flesh that would be defined as righteous, then Christ would not have, have had to die because theoretically, you would, in and of yourself, be able to somehow possibly attain righteousness if you could do the right thing. But the reality is, is you can't do the right thing. You're broken 
you're a sinner by nature, and thus sin taints everything. Even the things that, that might seem to be noble or good still have a rotten root. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't do kind things. But again, when we're talking about the, the, the true definition of sin within the context of its opposite, righteous, um, no, I don't think anyone that is a sinner can do righteousness because you can't do righteousness. You are righteous, and thus that manifests from your life. If you're not righteous, righteousness can never manifest from your life. It, it, can, it can be a good thing from a worldly perspective, but it's not a righteous thing within the biblical definition. Now, I, I've got a few stairs here, um, like looking into headlights. Um, there's a lot of weighty theology that runs behind all of that. Um, am I making sense? Yeah. Uh, sh- share some thoughts, fellas. For sure. Justin, what's your thoughts, Spice Daddy? Uh, how do you account for the like the the people mentioned in the Book of Hebrews? Okay, you got to be more specific. Like Abraham and 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 was it David? They're accounted to righteousness. Um, I think it was the Book of Hebrews. Yeah. I mean, okay, they, so they the Hall of the, Faith, yeah, Hebrews of eleven. Faith, yeah, all those guys were before Jesus. And Correct. all their works were accounted. Okay, so why were they accounted for righteousness? Right. Well, the answer to that um, is that they were, they were acting within the expectation of salvation. Like Abraham, which is a great example. And we could go through Hebrews 11, and I could point this out with, with every example that Paul gives um, to, to validate this. But Abraham is a wonderful example. <clears throat> you study the life of Abraham. And I would encourage, I would encourage that, you know, go to Gen- begin at Genesis 12 and start working your way through the book of Genesis, looking objectively at the life of Abraham. Absolute disaster of a person. I mean, literally complete disaster. Um, messes up constantly. Um, goes to Egypt, has a lapse of faith, says his sis- you know, says his wife is his sister, almost completely <coughs> ruins the providential plan of God. You know, comes back, moves forward. You know, son of promise. I get impatient. I sleep with Hagar. I have Ishmael. Almost a total train wreck of God's... Comes back to Egypt. I mean, like you look at the life of of Abraham. It's one failure after another failure after another failure. And yet he's called the father of our faith. And he's called in Hebrews a man of righteousness. Why? Because of what he did? No. You can't make that argument because he was... a colossal screw up i want to point out that even after his death um and the account after his death it mentions that he still continued to have concubines oh right like yeah throughout I mean, the throughout the time while he was being used by god <laughs> exactly exactly but you go back to like why what was accounted here in the question what was accounted to abraham as faith it was again and you can go to chapter 12 um, of Genesis. And then I would also encourage you to go to Acts chapter 7, um, which would be Stephen and, and his sermon there, uh, uh, you know, in front, of, in front of the mob, in front of the Sanhedrin, excuse me, where he talks about Abraham. And he talks about what the essence of Abraham's faith was. And it was the fact that while living in Ur of the Chaldeans, um, Abraham uh, trusted in God and believed in, in the promise of a Savior. That's what he placed his faith into, that his salvation w- would, would be provided by God. Now, he, 
was looking towards the cross. He had a very limited understanding of what that would look like. Although I would say, interestingly enough, that, that he might have had a more expansive understanding, especially if you take into account uh, Genesis chapter 24. And, you know, that, that's the story of when he takes Isaac to a mountain in Moriah, Mount Moriah, um, to offer his only begotten son. Um, and, 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 and then God speaks and says, you know, um, um, you know I'll provide, you know, a lamb, um, you know, as a sacrifice. Um, and, and it's, it's just the, the, the whole story is very interesting. And within, within the original language, God's kind of telling Abraham, I will provide a lamb. And, and who was the lamb? The, Jesus was the, the sacrifice, was the son of God, the only begotten of the father. I think Abraham had a pretty extensive understanding of what God's plan was. But that's what was attributed as faith. That's what made him righteous. It wasn't what he did. It wasn't what he didn't do. It's what he believed. And he believed that God would provide a savior. And you go through that entire list. Jacob, equal screw up, man. You know, I mean, Jacob, Jacob is, a, is a walking disaster as well. And yet he believed and placed his faith in, in a promise. And that promise was that God would provide a savior. And thus, how were they ultimately saved? They were saved because Jesus went and presented himself and they accepted Jesus as their savior. Um, which is why they were um, led from what we would call Abraham's bosom into, into, into heaven. Anyway, that kind of answer, answer your question um, regarding the, those mentioned in Hebrews 11 and why they're righteous. It wasn't their works that made them righteous. It was their faith in a Savior. But just going off of uh, Kyle's question, though, they were able to do righteous acts even though they were still sinners. They were, but they were determined and declared by God to be righteous because of their faith. The moment they placed their faith in a Savior, they were righteous. They did a whole lot of wrong things, and they did a whole lot of righteous things. Again, I should be fair. I mean, Abraham, you know, God spoke to him and said, take your only begotten son, offer him. And what did he do? He did what a lot of us would have, would have really hesitated to do. Uh, he immediately awoke the next morning and loaded up and went and, um, and was faithful and obedient. And what? Well, Stephen says that Abraham believed that even if he executed and offered Isaac, that God would have resurrected him from the dead because he was the son of promise. And that Abraham believed it would be through his seed and, and his family and the nation that would come that God was going to provide the Savior. Um, again, why was Moses righteous? Moses was righteous because of his faith in a, in, a, in a Savior. Same with Isaac, same with Jacob, same with Joseph, the patriarchs, David. Um, you know, you, you go through the, the litany, the list. It was the expectation that God would provide a Savior. And that's, you know, they were righteous not by what they did, but by what they believed. And as a result, what they did was righteous at least in the eyes of God, which, which again, I'll, I'll kind of carry this forth with another illustration. You know, so you have first uh, and second Samuel, first and second Kings. So if you're reading through the Bible, you know, you get these, these, these big books of history, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, and then first and second Chronicles. And if you're reading through the Bible, first uh, and second Chronicles kind of gets annoying. It gets annoying because it's like, I just read this stuff, you know, because it's repeating um, history. History that's already been recorded in First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and it's like, why are we doing this? Well, you have to understand a little bit of history and the origins of these books. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings are the actual literal history of it. First and Second Chronicles came much, much later. Um, in fact, 
we're not 100% sure who wrote them. Um, I, would, I think the, the most solid argument is that Ezra is the one that wrote them in the return from Babylonian captivity. And it was Ezra, Nehemiah built the walls. Ezra came to, to lead a spiritual revival amongst the people, and thus he chronicled their history uh, from the perspective of God. Um, so the, an interesting way of seeing it is that First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, is the actual history. First and Second Chronicles is that same history, written from the perspective of God. This is what God wanted His people to remember of their history. What's fascinating about that is you take someone like David. Um, David, again, a man after God's own heart, um, made a few mistakes, didn't he? Um, One or two. Some colossal ones, a.k.a. adultery with Bathsheba and then the murdering of her husband. A a horrible stain on on David's record that's recorded for us in the histories. And yet you get to 1 and 2 Chronicles and you have David's life recounted. But you know what's missing? From the Chronicles, D- David's sin. Well, why? Because they were not works um, that were held against his credit. Why? Because from God's perspective, he was righteous because he believed in a Savior who would take away his sin. And thus, from God's perspective, it didn't exist. Manasseh, wickedest king in Israel. The, 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 the history of Manasseh's reign, wicked. And yet, at the very end of his life, he... There was revival in his heart. Chronicles doesn't mention his reign of terror at all and only mentions for us that last little bit. It's almost as though God had forgotten. Why? Because he forgets. He casts our sin as far as the east is, is from the west. And so Abraham had a lot of mistakes, made a lot of errors, but he's included in the Hall of Faith because only the righteous works manifesting from his right state before God are remembered. Now, that, that's, that's kind of a hard right into some other topics. Kyle, bring me back to the second, second component of your question. Uh, so the, the gist of it is um, I've been blessed before by unbelievers, so I've had good things enter my life. So I guess how do, you, how do, how do we reconcile the obvious fact that God uses things that are not righteous as part of his will and his plan for me. Like basically using sin in order to be a blessing for me in a way. And other people, other situations. Well, I mean, God uses, you know, the mechanism mechanisms in which God blesses um, are, are not contingent upon the state of like, like they're not like God, God doesn't bless us. Um, and his blessing be restricted by the utensil. God will, God will use all kinds of things to bless us. You know, you, you give it the example of, you know, a sinner doing something to bless you. Um, you, you could take a step back and say, regardless of sinners, um, things that are just, you know, objectively amoral. Mm-hmm. Um, businesses, like you've been blessed by the company that you work for. Um, who's, I guess, ultimately though, uh, you've got you've to ask yourself the origin of the blessing. Is it your work that's blessing you? Yes and no. Who's really blessing you? Like where, where do all blessings 
and your life originate from? Ultimately, the answer? God. God. Yeah, the Lord. So though God might use all kinds of various things and mechanisms and tools to bless you, the origin of the blessing comes from God, which again, I think is an important thing to understand because it helps us keep in context um, who should be thanked for the blessing. Now, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. You should be appreciative uh, you know, of, of your, your work for giving you a good job. Um, but then again, I would even say, who are you working for? Are you working for uh, that Fortune 500 um, or that's, that really selfish, egotistical, self-centered boss? Or are you working for God? Who's blessing you? Well, it's God. Who are you working for? It's God. Um, who are you a servant of? And that's one of the things that I think is very helpful about the language used in the New Testament regarding our relationship, like the way that this whole Christian thing works, as opposed, and, and I think we kind of lose a little bit of it because it, it's, it's such a foreign understanding. Like Paul is constantly referring to himself and us as, as love slaves, as slaves. Um, you know, and, and, and then the vernacular, you know, we refer to, to Jesus as our Lord. Well, we don't have lords in a, in a modern context. Uh, we're not slaves either. Um, again, some of the vernaculars, the terminology that's, that's used in the New Testament to define roles, um, we have a bit of a disconnect regarding because we just don't use the vernacular. Um, even, even down to talking about like the kingship of Christ, that Christ is our king and we're his servants. Well, I don't have a king. <laughs> and, and those in the world that do have kings, it's different. You know, the Queen of England is not an absolute monarch. Um, her authority is very much limited and is largely ceremonial. Um, we don't have, you know, when we talk about Jesus being our king, that is, that is an absolute authority. Um, you get, you know, it's not something you disobey. You know, you get orders, you march accordingly. Um, we're slaves. Slaves don't have freedom of choice. Um, slaves are not like we talk about um, the liberty we have in Christ Jesus. And, and we, we misunderstand what liberty is. Um, when we talk about liberty in an American context, we, we think of liberty as being free from authority. Um, I'm self-employed. I only work for me. I only, I only um, am, am, am responsible for myself. I'm only accountable to me, myself, and I. I am the master of my own destiny. Um, we think of liberty and that, and that kind of absolute terminology. I'm free from someone telling me what to do. I'm free from having my actions dictated. I'm free. Free. Freedom. Well, no one, you know, when Paul writes about liberty, especially in the book of Galatians, no one that he's writing to would, would have thought of liberty within that type of context. That, that didn't exist in the world. Most people um, in that, you know, in the, in the context of liberty, it's really freedom to choose who I serve. Um, everyone serves someone. And that, that's kind of what we lost. Like we have a false sense of liberty in the, think, in the thinking that we're actually free from authority. No, um, we, we choose what we serve. That, that's about the gist of our liberty. Um, everyone, as Bob Dylan wrote, everybody serves somebody. Um, we're all slaves to something. Um, sometimes it, it is, it is an individual, 
but sometimes it's a it's an addiction or it's a pursuit or it's a proclivity or an insecurity um, everybody serves something or someone um, when Paul writes of liberty his audience would have understood that he's talking about just the freedom to choose who I want to serve and that's where there's great freedom because I'm, I'm free to choose to serve Jesus um, I'm not I'm not free of authority I'm free to choose what authority I want to have over my life. So I can either choose these various vices in the world and, and what the world offers, or I'm free to choose a better master, and his name is Jesus. Um, and so when, when we're talking about, back to the question, yes, can you be blessed by sinners? For sure. But who's blessing you? Um, well, God's the one blessing you. Um, I, I know it's a, it's a little different. Um, in regards to its this, the scope of its application, but as as I think it probably an apt illustration, um, I think when, when we think about God speaking to us, um, how does God speak to us? Well, God speaks to us primarily through His Word, um, but God speaks to us in a myriad of ways. Um, I think God can speak to us through friends. Um, I think God can speak to us through Christian friends. I think God can speak through us through secular friends. Um, G- God can speak through us through all kinds of things. And, and where I would draw your attention to is Balaam. You know, mm-hmm. Balaam, um, this really trippy prophet. Again, he's not Jewish, but he's a prophet of God. That's confirmed in God's word. Uh, we don't know much about him at all. He gets recruited by Balak. I believe the king of Moab. I might be a little off in that. It might be a, an Amalekite. Um, again, I don't have that right in front of me. <clears throat> but he's, he's sent to curse Israel. Long story short, um, he gets on a donkey. He's going to go curse Israel. Um, Balaam doesn't see that there is the angel of the Lord in the pathway, sword drawn, ready to kill him. The donkey, however, uh, has better spiritual intuition and is like, I am not going forward. Well, stubborn donkey, Balaam gets out, starts beating the donkey. Um, You know, we need to get going here. And then the donkey finally is like, yo, brother, uh, I'm doing this for your benefit. Uh, You're going to die if we go further. The donkey, God uses and speaks through the donkey. Um, If you think that that is miraculous, um, God also speaks through an ass every Sunday morning at Calvary 316. <laughs> um, he's very good. He's very good at doing that. Um, but again, God used a donkey, spoke through a donkey. You know, he speaks to us in all kinds of ways. And, and in the same in the same thread, he can bless us. He can bless us through a secular government. You know, um, our, our country has all kinds of really terrible problems. Um, and yet, we're also blessed in the sense that our our country affords us the freedom to be able to congregate, to be able to worship God freely, um, unless it's a pandemic, and then that might be uh, restricted, but at least generally speaking. Um, and that is something that's a great blessing. Um, that's, there are brothers and sisters across the world in places um, to, and, to and fro um, that don't have that kind of a blessing. Um protected by their government. Um, so again, does that make our government righteous? No, not at all. Um, but we're still blessed by God through it. 
Um, so it's really about, you know, God can use whatever conduit he wants. Um, and there's examples of that, you know, all, all throughout scripture. So does that, that answer your question? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It hit the nail on the head on each each point. I think. Very, I mean, a very, very good question. I, uh, you know, initially was kind of thinking through about, you know, just the general directions to go with sin um, at about sin being, you know, you know, there, there is because we have a few minutes, I, I'll, I will kind of pivot to a related topic, not brought up, but but one that your, your mind kind of goes to. <clears throat> you know, there is a segment, one of the great debates within Christianity ends up being about, it's related to sin and, and the component of, of human will as it relates to God's sovereignty. How do you define sin within the context of the two? Um, there are uh, components within Christianity. When you're talking about sin, how God uses sin, God uses sinners, etc., that go to a very, a very, I would say, grievous extreme to say that, you know, as the Jews, you know, the Jews viewed the Gentiles in Jesus' day as, as kindling to stoke the flames of hell for bad Jews. Um, and that there is a group, uh, you know, a segment of, of, of the Christian community that also has this, this position that views sinners as, as people condemned by God for hell from birth. Um, I, I really have a very difficult time with that. Um, mainly going back to the first mention of hell. And when I say first mention, there's a law. <clears throat> I say law. It's the a good law rule of thumb. Mention. It's a rule of thumb. Um, regarding the way that you understand uh, theological concepts, um, that you go to first mention. So the law of first mention when you're studying the Bible is if you want to understand a, a, t- a topic or a concept or a theology, go to its first mention and then that kind of sets the trajectory for how you should understand uh, the particular concept. Well, <clears throat> we talk about sin, and we want to try to get to the essence of that topic. Um, we'll go back to the first mention of sin to, to gain some context. And sin is placed within the context of, of God's sovereignty in the sense that God established rules but you can't detach it from free will because God told Adam and Eve and the day that you, you choose the day, the, the day that you do this, um, you'll die. Don't do it, you know? And so Adam and Eve were then faced with a choice that they had to make and sin entered because God willed it. I, I don't think you can make that. You, I don't think you can, you can build a theology off of that from, from its first mention because the Bible clearly establishes the idea that sin entered how? Through a terrible decision that, that Adam and Eve made. And thus, um, are, we, you know, are we born into a sin nature because God, uh, God, God wills for some to be saved and some not to be? I, I think the Bible, again, as the Bible states itself, God wills for all uh, to come into a saving understanding and uh, saving realization um, to, to be saved by Jesus that Jesus died for the sins of the world, for God's will of the world, that he gave his only begotten son. God wills for all to be saved, but man still has to make a decision. And thus God will honor that decision on the day of judgment. Um, God sends no one to hell. Uh, God just allows those who choose to go there. 
Um, he's the divine gentleman. He's not a spiritual rapist. He doesn't force someone who rejects him to now have to spend eternity with him. And so, you know, as I think about this, this topic in its broad scope, um, I, think, I think first mention is something that's often not talked enough about when it comes to our understanding of sin and its relation uh, to huma- humanity, free will, God, God's sovereignty, etc. So any thoughts? I mean, we got, we got a few minutes uh, remaining. We can always end early, but uh, anything that you guys want to throw out? And I'm going to say this for the audience. What always happens is I pitch it to these guys for feedback. <laughs> And they throw one or two things out, and then we wrap the show up, we shut things down, and the moment the cameras turn off, a, a conversation ensues about what we talked about that should have happened on air. And we'll so, go longer. So, guys, <laughs> thoughts, feedback, pitching it to y'all. Uh, from the second question, I thought about, like, in the ways, like, God can use anything. My first thought was like, oh, well, by my own works, I ended up in jail. But now I look at that as a blessing. Like, that's when I heard God speak to me. I'm like, hey. That's that's an interesting point. Yeah, like, God, I, I put myself in jail, but God used that moment. Now I look back on that like, no, that was a blessing and it was necessary. It was it happened, but it was my choice to, where he gave me the choice to be like, hey, are you going to stop doing what you're doing? And I was like, yeah, and then you know my whole life has completely turned around since then. And so, isn't it interesting how he uses the natural consequences of our sin? Yeah, like God didn't for good. put me in jail. I put me in jail by my decisions leading up to that point. Well, and I would say God probably put you in jail too. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it was necessary, but I see it as necessary now because I understand what He was doing in my life. And looking back and looking back on those moments, like oh wow so much happened that I didn't know that this was just guiding me to this exact point to where it was still a choice. Everything's still a choice. Like you said, God's not a spiritual rapist. He wants to use you. He wants you to come to him no matter who you are and however, whatever situation you may be in. And that's the beauty and the freedom of being saved because now every decision that I have to make either glorifies him or it doesn't. And that's just it. Good and bad are just societally created terms to be a good person. At the root of it, it's evil or righteousness. If you're not saved, it doesn't matter. You could literally do whatever you want to do. There's no repercussions other than what society has for you. But when you are saved, evil and righteousness, it either glorifies him or it doesn't. A great, this has sparked a very interesting thought. <clears throat> so we look at, and Kyle, this, this really does get to your question. Um, Invert, invert it. So instead of talking about God using um, sinners, or let's say God using the wicked to bless you, um, does God use the wicked to judge you? And, and when we look at Scripture, um, th- there are illustrations of that everywhere. God used the very wicked Assyrian Empire to judge the, the northern kingdom of Israel. And then God used a very wicked Babylonian empire to judge the southern kingdom of Judah. The entire cycle of kings, you know, when, when, when there would be a good righteous king, the reason that there was a righteous king is because the, the people were, were doing the right thing, you know, and God was blessing them. Um, but the moment the hearts of the people waned, what did God give them? He would give them a wicked king. And it would be the wicked king that would end up judging them. Um, but but would have been God's instrument in, in enacting God's will over the lives of his people. 
Um, and so if God would, would use the wicked to, to judge or to, to carry forth punishment, then he can also use the wicked to carry forth blessing as well. So, you know, again, God uses all kinds of instruments. I think on the opposite, you get the example like the Pharisees who, who use God's laws in a legalistic manner and they commit unrighteous acts by well, executing Jesus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's a big one. Yeah. So you, you have that whole other opposite end of the spectrum with the, from the hall of faith with the Pharisees. And even today with like super legalistic, uh, like pastors and churches and stuff where, you know, they got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And they completely missed the mark. And also execute Jesus in the process. Right. The first verse that popped up in my head when he asked his first question uh, was Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Can I read this? No, absolutely. All right. Not to everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. On the day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we do not prophesy. Did did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And that's kind of what thought up, like, it doesn't matter what you do good. It doesn't matter what you do bad. It is if you know him or not. And then your actions are determined whether they glorify him or not. And I think that's the biggest point, that last word you just said. Like, the existence of sin is here. And in the big picture of things, God's work of reconciling individuals and fixing broken people and removing that sin nature is ultimately what brings God and Christ's glory in heaven. For sure. Kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week, too. I mean, (laughs) without, you you know, so many people try and do the right thing. They try and earn, earn their way or, you know, stop doing this, stop doing that before they become a Christian. And all the, yeah, when, it has to be Jesus that changes you. That's yeah. mm-hmm. the, yeah. Well, you, you get to like, what is the criteria? Like when it's all said and done, what's the, what's the evaluation metric? And in a parallel passage to what you, what you read, Derek, you know, <clears throat> Jesus says, you know, the, the, the words that you want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant enter into your rest. And, you know, it's not, it's not well done followed by a list of things that you did that's not the metric. Like what you do, what's been done, that's not, that's not what gets you into heaven. It's well done, good and faithful servant. Um, the key first is to be a servant. And secondly, it's to be faithful. Like the evaluation metric isn't what you do. It's are you faithful to do what he's asked you to do? Like in our world, we, we evaluate by accomplishment. What's accomplished, even to the point that so like sometimes like we don't care how it's done as long as it's done. Like we 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 evaluate things by the bottom line. It's not how you got there. It's what was accomplished. Um, we're a bottom line type of world. Um, but Jesus cares more about the process than he cares about the bottom line. He cares about faithfulness than accomplishment, which to me is a, a really radical thing, because. It's, again, not about what I do, but it's about being faithful with whatever he places in front of me. Mm-hmm. I heard a sermon years ago where he, 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 he built off of Moses, you know, and Moses, <clears throat> you know, gets commissioned by God 
to, to, to liberate the people. You know, he's there at the burning bush. And Moses is coming up with all kinds of reasons why he's inadequate, why he's not up for the job, why, he's, why he can't do it. And, and, and God says, you know, well, what's in your hand, Moses? And he says, well, I have this staff because he was a shepherd. And God says, well, throw, this, throw the staff down. And he does, and it turns into a serpent, which is pretty rad. And then, yeah. you know, it's pick up, pick up the serpent, and it turns back into the rod. It was Moses' rod. But then God says, from this point forward, that, that's my rod. And what's cool about it is, like, God didn't give Moses anything that Moses didn't have. God just took what he had and used it. Mm-hmm. And there's the old saying in ministry that God doesn't, call those who are equipped but he always equips those who are called but that equipping is often god just using what we already have and just making it supernatural Um, which again then ties into what you were saying kyle is how he gets all the glory in the world because people look at it and like well that's that's not rational Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense yeah sometimes you got covid19 and they say you're gonna die and and then you yeah. don't. And then you don't. <laughs> you know. You know. One of the things that's great about you, Spice Daddy, is you. Uh, you tied today's episode into multiple previous episodes. Well, I, you that's, know, I that's try. Pro. That's pro. That's. I mean, that's a professional. <laughs> it it takes stuff like how many people like those nurses and stuff and the doctors. They came up to you and said you were supposed to die and you didn't and it wasn't us. Every single day, I had doctors and nurses come in where I would say thank you and they would say. It wasn't us. And these are just, I don't know how many of them were believers or not, but there was something that they all recognized. And there was nothing you could do about it because you were bit. out. I slept through it all. Right. <laughs> yeah. All I did was wake up. Um, and yet, you know, wake up, dead man. You know? Creighton, you got anything? No, I think you guys are great. This is a good episode. I didn't have to do anything. This was a great was episode. <laughs> Nobody was, commented on it. It was really a great question. People need um, to comment more. We should have we should have Kyle bring more questions. Can I sit over there? Um, no, you I may mean, not. This no. is my seat. <laughs> All right, well, fellas, thank you so much for uh, joining me tonight. Yes, sir. So, well, yeah. you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show again. My name is Zach. Uh, you can learn more about the show. You can access. Uh, the live stream uh, you can access our podcast really all the information by going to outlawradio.org again that's outlawradio.org live stream um, our podcast uh, once again thank you so much for joining me tonight uh, we'll be here next wednesday at 8 p.m god bless <laughs>